Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. The headline was uh, pretty brief. It said, we're all grieving. (sighs) Which led me to um, take a very deep breath. It went on to make observations about uh, the varieties of loss that we have all experienced this year. The media is certainly abuzz with uh, COVID death count. 250,000 Americans and continuing to rise. But I think it's important to note that nearly 3 million Americans have actually died this year. And that does not account for um, every pregnancy terminated through abortion. And so when we talk about the number of families and friends and communities that are grieving, actually in like the most traditional sense of the word, grieving someone who is now dead, grieving that loss, Um, We're talking about, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half million and counting. And so if you say 10 people on average are affected by the death of an individual, like directly affected, you know, then you're talking about at least 10 percent of the American population actually dealing with the kind of grief that we talk about most frequently. And that is grief caused by the loss of a of a human life. But grief does not end with physical death. Like, there is grief that is related to losses of lots of other kinds. Um, I'm not sure I ever saw my dad grieve more deeply than over the death of our dog, um, Luddy, more formally known as Ludwig von Schmittenhofer, the fourth fowler. Um, But when Luddy, our three-legged farm dog that we had brought with us from Indiana to Florida when we moved, um, when Luddy died, I I really, I, my dad was like unconsolable. I never, I never, I mean, he was a, he was a guy who I'm not sure I saw cry a half a dozen times in my whole life. And um, he, he passed away when I was 15. So I'm sure that had he lived longer, I would have seen him grieve more um, because there would have been more to grieve. But we grieve all kinds of losses. Um, I'm thinking about the 2020 senior class from both high school and college across the country, their families, people who worked years to complete in the, compete in the Olympics or other competitive sports, the grief of those who cannot visit and console family members who are in assisted care facilities. Um, there is grief that we can't extend the kind of welcome to new neighbors or new church members or new colleagues the way we would like to. People are not getting folded into community. New moms are not being supported um, in the ways that we might want to. Like, you can't go hold their baby while they take a shower because you can't go in their house and hold their baby. Um, Families are suffering in isolation, and grief is piling up. We talked uh, with Joshua Straub on Friday, and one of the things that he shared was that his wife, Christy, is keeping a grief journal. That led to a conversation in our house this weekend. If we had a grief journal for 2020, what are some of the things that would be in it? 
putting it down on paper is one way of coping. Um, I'm wondering today how you're coping with your grief, how you're coping with other emotions that may be just piling up during this COVID-19 2020 pandemic. Dr. Linda Mental and I are going to continue this important conversation up next. We'll be right back. Dr. Linda Mental. You can find her at drlindamental.com. You can also find her on the Dr. Linda Mental Show right here on the Faith Radio Network. Linda, welcome back. Great morning to be talking to you again. And I really appreciated what you were saying, Carmen. Um, I was thinking about the very second book I wrote was all about, it was called Getting Unstuck. And it was all about the different ways that we experience loss, not just loss of relationships, although those are very significant but loss of expectations, loss of dreams, um, loss of actual people, but, you know, other other ways that we grieve and we experience loss. And I can so relate to your story about your dad and the dog, because I my dad, who was this very staunch German guy who rarely showed a lot of emotion, uh, had the same thing happen to him when our dog died that we had it during childhood. And I remember he called me. I was in college and it happened and he was so overtaken by grief from that dog. It it really surprised me because like you, I only saw my dad cry a few times in his life. One was when my mom died, but the other one of the other ones was when our family dog died and it really hit him hard. So yeah, I think people are dealing with a lot right now. And sometimes we don't even realize because it can be things like a loss of your expectation and dreams and things that you thought would be the way they would be and they're not this year. So there's a lot going on for people. There's a lot of us experiencing, um, we have a a listener who texted in um, that she is grieving her pre-COVID job and team. She says, I still work Mm -hmm. at the same company, but it's never going to be the same. Yeah, it's going to it's going to create different changes that we might not all be ready for because of maybe the efficiency of of some of the things that we're starting to see in businesses and things. But it isn't the same and I I'm reading a book that probably other people have read called Together by uh Vivek uh, Murthy who was our former Surgeon General. And when he became the Surgeon General of the United States, he he thought, oh, I'm going to hit the hard, really hard problems in America. And this is way before COVID, now keep in mind. Um, and he said, I'm, I'm going to have to talk about heart disease and or, you know, um, cancer or obesity, the big, you know, drug abuse, all the big problems that we have in America. But he was so surprised to see when he looked at everything, that loneliness and isolation are, were the number one public health problems. And he wrote a whole book on it in terms of how, what a surprise it was as he began to talk to people and figure out really what was one of the number one American problems that people were dealing with. And this pandemic has just exacerbated that for so many people, because like you, like me, I mean, I am going to be with my two children during the Thanksgiving holiday, but that's it. And that is such a difference in years past of we would open up our home to medical students that couldn't travel back to their homes, um, to other people that we knew, to relatives. And this year, because of the pandemic, we're not doing that. And I do want to say, I, you know, I teach at a medical school 
And it is not great news right now. I mean, we are still seeing, we are seeing a rise in our area. All of the people I work with are physicians and our ICU beds are starting to get overwhelmed again. And we're, we are seeing a, a surge. So people need to take it seriously, but also, you know, put it in perspective that we just have to do a few more things for a few more months. And then we had such hopeful news this year, this uh, week, last week about the vaccines coming out. So we just have to be persevering and continue to be somewhat vigilant and to you know be patient in this process and uh, try to focus on the things that are positive. And that's one of the things I really wanted to say today is that you know it's you have to have what's called a growth mindset. You have to be able to not just look at all the negative that's going on because there's so much of it, but you can look at the things that you're grateful for on a everyday basis when you wake up. I mean, I'm looking outside today. It's beautiful where I am. It's cold, but it's beautiful. I can focus on the beauty of what I see out my, my window. I can focus on the fact that my family is healthy at this point and things like that, that you just get up and you start to do gratitude. And we are doing, we did a show on gratitude this week on, on Faith Radio that you can listen to. And we talked about the many, many benefits of gratitude, including physical. It helps your immune system, helps your blood pressure. It helps your stress. It really helps you cope with things. So that is something that we want to be mindful of. So mindfulness, I think, is what I want to come back to um, following the break. I want to talk with you about emotions. Uh, and I want to talk with you about coping. You also wrote a book on stress, breaking free from stress, how to find peace with life's pressure. When life's pressures overwhelm you, um, you've also uh, alluded to getting unstuck um, so you guys can find those books at drlindamental.com. When we come back, I'm going to ask Linda um, about um, mindfulness, because that's a huge part of, of any coping process and dealing with stress um, and dealing with grief. So we're going to talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. It's like the All right, continue our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental from the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can find her at drlindamental.com. Linda, mindfulness uh, gets kind of a um, uh, kind of a bad rap um, because mindfulness tends to lead people to think that you and I are going to talk about um, some sort of meditation that is not based in the reality of who Christ is. But I'd like for you to talk about mindfulness as an important part of uh, of the Christian conversation in terms of how our mind is set and our perspective and um, and therefore the way that we approach things. It's very important when we're using that term to help people, like you said, Carmen, understand that there is a type of mindfulness that they hear in the culture. It's usually Buddhist based. And in that type of mindfulness practice, the the way you do that is you're supposed to empty your mind and you're supposed to try to get into a state of nothingness. And this is this whole thing that takes you to a state of nirvana. And it's not a Christian perspective at all. In the Christian perspective, when we're talking about mindfulness, we're talking about putting our mind, staying on Christ. So we're not emptying our mind. We're filling our mind with the mind of Christ. And we're meditating on who he is and what he does and the promises of God. So it's a kind of meditation, but it's very person-focused in the person of Christ. And anytime you are stressed, 
and you begin to focus your mind on Christ and what his word says, when he says, if you keep your mind on me, I will keep you in perfect peace. What a great scripture for right now when if we start to think too much about all the data that's coming at us, and I have to do this every day because I teach in a medical school and I get the bad news every day. Every day I get six or seven or eight prompts on COVID, what medicines work, what medicines don't, what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do, and it can be overwhelming. And the way you center yourself with that is to go, all right, God, I need to be, I need to be doing things that are correct and that are helpful and that will, you know, keep the spread down. But I also need to be focusing on you. And I pray every day for protection. I pray for protection over my family and over my health and over my mind from the stress and the anxiety. And when I feel like I'm slipping because I'm not focused on on the Lord, then I get out my Bible and I read and I look at all the scriptures that talk about keeping us in peace and contentment. And, you know, I wrote a whole book on letting go of worry. And that's one of the things you cannot allow to overcome you during this season of waiting for our safety to return again. We have to be focused on what Christ says. He will keep us. He's in control. None of this is a surprise. Every day, if we pray, we ask the Lord for wisdom and discernment, and then we do our part He's going to get us through all of this. And if we focus our mind on the goodness of God, which is what scripture tells us to do, it tells us to focus on the good things. And that will keep our worry and our anxiety and our, our depression down. So it is really flipping your mind to the goodness of God and purposely looking in your day, what is going right? What do we have to be thankful for? What can I be grateful for today and continuously directing the brain because your brain will focus on what you tell it is important. So if you decide, I'm going to focus on the goodness of God today, I'm going to focus on the things he's done. I'm going to remember, which the scripture tells us to do too, when God was faithful and he walked me through a trial and he was with me, his presence never leaves us. He's always with us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't reject us. He's always there for us. And anytime we need to, we can cry out for help and ask him for his help. When we get focused on the person of, of Christ and who God is, it really does calm us down and put us in a position of being able to cope. So good, so true, so important. Um, I think we're often making a litany of the bad news, and we're forgetting to make a litany that starts with the big giant header, the good news, the good, good right. news, the best news, the real, the real news, um, the news that's true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we catalog all the things that are going wrong or bad. And, and that's just sort of this, I don't know, this sucking vortex of negativity. And we've all, we can recognize it. I mean, there's sometimes you can see somebody like jumping into that whirlpool, right? Like you can actually see them headed there and you're like, I'm not going there with you. Um, so well, my, not- one of my... One of my lines has been um, to, to say to somebody, particularly if they're rehearsing a list, you know, a second or a third time, you know, I'll say, you know what? I have been to that pity party with you and I'm not going there again. Like, I am not yeah, going there again. It's just so easy to do, though. I mean, if you listen to the news, one of the things we need to do is not listen to the news so much and not and get off of social media uh, for some breaks because everything is so negative. 
And I, I, I just can't take it after a while, really. I, I have to have breaks. And I have to have a breaks with people. Now, we can't always get together with people, but we can connect with other people. And we can connect in a way where we encourage each other. So rather than getting together on Zoom or whatever platform you're using, even if you're calling somebody, you can even say, let's just talk about something that's encouraging. And even this Thanksgiving, I would really encourage people, even if you're just with your 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 three or four people in your family, your little bubble, as they're calling it, you know, maybe pull out some old movies, uh, look at things, laugh, go outside, uh, get some fresh air, and and just remember that this is not going to be with us forever, and that we have to start focusing on the things that God is going to do. He's going to walk us through this. He continues to walk us through this. He's with us. He's He's not going anywhere. So we've just got to really refocus our mind. And when you're with somebody who's negative, you know, you can help them. You can say, can we turn that around? What is it that God has done for us today that would be different? And you can change the conversation with people. But I do think it's important to be connected with other people. And so I, I hope people during this uh, holiday week are going to connect, make a real big point of doing that, but do it with some positive news and some good things that are going on in your in your life and help people maybe get off the news and, and get off of those negative emotions because it will only take you, when the brain is focused on that, it's gonna affect your mood. So your thoughts, your words, are gonna shift your mood. And if they're positive, it's gonna have an impact on your mood, it's gonna have an impact on your behavior, which then gonna impact the perception you have of what's going on. And again, I think we should look at this now as we're in the final stretch. We need to be tenacious, like a, like a runner is in a marathon, and just stay the course, do what we need to do, continue to trust God, continue to pray for his protection, and be mindful of his presence every single day that we get up and we're facing the things that we're facing. Okay, so one uh, one final question, Linda. Why do you think people are putting up their Christmas decorations so early? <laughs> we're actually going to talk about this on our show. Um, we're doing a, a bunch of shows uh, around the, you know, the holiday season for Christmas. And I think we just want cheer. And I've noticed it in our neighborhood. People have their lights up already. They have their cheer. Oh, yeah. Everybody is just, I think it's a boost. I'm okay. Usually I'm, and I'll, I talk about this. I'll talk about this on the show. Usually I'm like, no, no Christmas music before Thanksgiving, no decorations. I'm usually very, you know, a stickler on that thing. But this year I got it. People just want to, they want joy. And what better way to bring light into the darkness, which is the whole focus of Christmas. And when I see those lights that people are putting out already, I'm like, we just want joy. We just want to be joyful. So this year I'm okay with it. I'm going to probably even put up a few decorations myself this week prior to Thanksgiving, which I would never do in past years. But we, so we just I, want something to Yeah, so I have, I have a neighbor who um, they put theirs up and they happen to be out in the yard and I was driving by and I'm like, it seems so early. And she said, <laughs> it was, it, I negotiated with my husband. He let me take yeah. the political signs down because they didn't go with the nativity. And I thought, well, there's a lesson for you. The political signs don't go with the nativity. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. For some people, it's a replacement strategy. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, what we want good stuff. We want good stuff. And Christmas right. just has that feel. It's an emotional feel of joy when you put those lights up in your yard. And everybody has something to do to focus on positive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, go for it. I just love it. All right, Dr. Linda Mental, thank you so much. You guys check out the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. You can 
find the times in your area by going to MyFaithRadio.com. Also check out her website, DrLindaMental.com. That's where you can access all of the books that we referenced here. She's got a ton of them that are very, very helpful. So um, check it out. Hey, Linda, thank you so much. And, and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Have a great, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. We'll be right back. Okay, you can find more from John Stone Street at breakpoint.org. I hope you heard what John said in that breakpoint. Um, You frequently hear me talk about my particular pro-life view, which is from conception to natural death. It's the frame from which we are out of which I seek to have every pro-life conversation. Um, I am pro-life from conception to natural death. How do you describe your pro-life ethic? If we don't know how to describe where we are and why we are where we are in terms of our pro-life ethic, we cannot expect other people to be able to uh, do so when we ask them. And you're like, where do you get those ideas? Or how do you think that euthanasia is okay? Or why do you think that doing, um, you know, frankly, doing away with people who have Down Down syndrome or Alzheimer's um, or any other... attribute that we regard as less than perfect, um, why is it okay to just do away with those folks? Okay, so that is actually the basics of the eugenics conversation, and it is one that is being had in sectors and segments of the population today, and it's one for which we as Christians need to be equipped. So uh, go back and listen again to John Stone Street's Breakpoint today at breakpoint.org. They've also got additional materials there that can help equip you. All right. um, Former Vice President Joe Biden has announced his intent to name Antony Blinken, not of Winken, Blinken and Nod, uh, Blinken with an I, not a Y. As Secretary of State, it is drawing praise from the establishment and criticism from both the right and the left. Uh, And the current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has returned um, from meetings that Uh, included both Israel and Saudi Arabia. That is big news. Uh, President Trump is attempting to cement his foreign policy, um, uh, well, his foreign policy um, around the world before he anticipates leaving office in January. All right, David Aikman and I are going to take a survey of what's going on around the world. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Picture your enemy tied to a whipping post. How many lashes? How much justice is enough? This is Max Locato. As your foe slumps to the ground, you walk away. Are you happy now? But soon another memory will surface. Another lash will be needed. When does it all stop? It stops when you take seriously the words of Jesus. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, God will treat you the way you treat others. Would you like some peace? Then quit giving your neighbor such a hassle. Want to enjoy God's generosity? Then let others enjoy yours. Would you like assurance that God forgives you? I think you know what you need to do. This is Max Lucado. My name is Bond, James Bond. Dr. 
Dr. David Aikman joining me again, editor of Godspeed Magazine. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. Great to be on the program once more. Okay, so we're embarking here in the United States um, on the week of Thanksgiving. Do you have a parallel event? No, there's no parallel event in Ireland or the UK corresponding to Thanksgiving, unlike Canada, which has its own Thanksgiving earlier in the year than the U.S. So there's nothing comparable at this time of year, and people are just kind of sucking their thumbs, waiting to see what limitations there will be on Christmas activities or Christmas shopping this year. Yeah, Christmas is uh, Christmas is big doings um, in in Europe. So let's talk a little bit about COVID and what we know now in terms of um, uh, in terms of the curve and also in terms of restrictions. Well, the UK has one of the worst death rates and infection rates for what's called the second surge of the infection since the beginning of March. So the UK has a lockdown which will come to an end on December 2, but there are probabilities that they will extend it at least for a few days before Christmas. The general expectation is that they will relax at Christmas and families will be allowed to gather in each other's homes but the supposition is that we'll pay a price afterwards, or the English will pay a price afterwards, because they'll impose a renewed restrictive uh, limitation on people visiting other, other houses in order to make up for the infection rate that would have increased over the Christmas holidays themselves. I'd love to um, spend some time talking about um, the situation in Belarus. We here in uh, in in the congregation that I'm a part of, um, we have ministry partners in Belarus. We prayed specifically for them yesterday um, as they are experiencing, um, I mean, it's trauma. They are experiencing very real trauma in their country. Um, anything you want to share with us about Belarus? Well, yes. I mean, the the recent funeral of the Belarus uh, protester who was beaten to death by the security forces, that led to a huge demonstration at the time of the funeral, even though his family had not wanted political protests associated with the ceremonies of the funeral. But the general mood in Belarus is that insisting on maintaining power for 26 years by Lukashenko, the president, is really not only uh, immoral and, and basically tyrannical, but it sends completely the wrong signal to the rest of Europe about where Belarus stands in the constellation of European states because it's clearly the last country in Europe that has a full-fledged ongoing dictatorship, and that's not something that ordinary Belarusians are happy with at all. 
Um, I'd li- let's visit um, a little bit. Uh, I, I want to talk after the break about both Ethiopia and China, but let's um, let's see if we can talk a little bit about what has been going on with the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo uh, and these these visits, not only to Israel, um, but um, but also including others. We're hearing that the Prime Minister of Israel has met with the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, do you think that that may uh, portends forward movement in terms of the Abraham Accords? Definitely. I mean, I think it's very clear that Saudi Arabia wants to join the constellation of Sunni Arab states that have aligned with Israel, at least in terms of diplomatic relations in recent weeks, like uh, Sudan, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates. And I think it's clear that Saudi Arabia is on the cusp of a breakthrough agreement with Israel because they want to be a part of this greater economic project that Israel is at the center of and has a number of other Arab states wanting to be part of as well. And in addition, there's the factor that Many Palestinians don't go along anymore with the rigid and doctrinal opposition to any contact with Israel that the Palestinian Authority, and behind that authority, the PLO, is insisting on continuing. Um, I'm working with an author on a a book dealing with uh, making... uh, Israel much more conscious of its own history in terms of getting closer to understanding what God is all about. And there's no doubt that ordinary Palestinians would much rather a de facto prosperous agreement with Israel that brings them higher living standards than continuing this frosty shutout of every contact with the Israeli state. Yeah, this is going to be a um, a foreign policy story to watch uh, as we anticipate a transition here in the United States from, you know, not only one administration to another, but probably uh, a, a differentiated Israel policy. And um, I'm just hoping that the Abraham Accords can all just continue to move forward positively. Um, Dr. Aikman, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, we have a lot to talk about in terms of Ethiopia. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with David Aikman, we like to survey what's going on around the world, apply the mind of Christ, and also keep you informed um, so, David, let's turn to Ethiopia. We we started to focus on things happening there a couple of weeks ago, but there are some updates that uh, that we need to share. Yes. Well, the most significant update is that many civilians are struggling to leave Tigray province, which is has been at odds with the Ethiopian central government and has been subjected to ferocious bombing attacks. And they're trying to leave by crossing the river to get to Sudan. But when they get to Sudan, there are 
tremendous problems of getting food and water and so forth, very difficult conditions. And in addition, the Ethiopian government, or at least somebody, has been using phosphorus on uh, ordinary people and on cities in bombing. And as you know, phosphorus ignites simply with uh, exposure to oxygen. So it's a terrible burning substance on people's skin. And this is one of the most vicious parts of the war that's continuing with dramatic efforts by the regime to suppress discontent in one of its provinces, but resulting in terrible um, harm to civilians who were caught up in the ongoing conflict. So I don't think that's going to be lessened anytime soon. So, David, I think we find ourselves a little bit surprised that um, that the prime minister of of Ethiopia is rebuffing all attempts at international mediation, that he is warning um, his own civilians uh, that there will be no mercy shown. Um, I, I find this approach surprising. Maybe you do not. Well, I'm afraid I don't find it surprising because in that part of uh, the Horn of Africa, uh, you just have a lot of very unpleasant regimes or very authoritarian regimes quite unable to do business with their neighbors. And this is a sad result of the emergence of the Ethiopian government in the years since its independence. And so I don't know whether we're going to expect any lessening of this antagonism towards outsiders, particularly those outsiders who wish to see a lessening of the internal conflict within Ethiopia. Hmm. So it's a very sad situation. Yeah, extraordinary. All right, let's spend the last few minutes that we have together today on um, on China. There are a range of headlines we could cover. I'll let, uh, I'll let you um, determine where we start. Well, I think one of the obvious places to start is in Hong Kong, where one of the major opposition politicians, well, actually not even a politician, a, a uh, human rights activist, has said that he will plead guilty to the national security uh, indictment against him because he agreed that he was protesting China's new national security law because he thought it was a complete contradiction to the China One Country, Two Systems Agreement that China agreed to with the British when it resumed sovereignty over Hong Kong back in the 1990s. So that is one clear example of egregious uh, militarization, if that's the right word, not quite militarization, but the communization of the system being pushed down into Hong Kong in spite of vigorous protests by political and human rights dissidents. And I think we're going to see more of this, unfortunately. 
So just to bring people up to speed, there was a uh, there was a three day conference of global leaders gathering to talk about the pivotal moment uh, as democracies face a, a emerging very, very strong China, uh, certainly the most powerful authoritarian state in history, um, and a clear challenge to what we might think of as the liberal world or the Western way of life. And so um, I do think that we are going to be having a conversation about China for a very, very, very long time. Um, and the people influencing that conversation are about to change. And so uh, when you when you sort of look at uh, or expect, maybe you don't expect yet, some people expect a change in the administration um, at the executive level here in the United States of America. Uh, supposing that takes place, um, do you do you foresee a Biden administration continuing the foreign policy um, approach that the Trump administration has had to China, which I would regard as uh, as very strong? Yes, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't anticipate that a Biden administration would continue this approach, particularly because one of the architects of the original. American policy towards China of rapprochement back in the 70s, Henry Kissinger recently gave an interview with a prominent foreign policy expert, and Kissinger essentially said, well, we really have to sort of, he didn't use the word appease, but the implication was the United States should consider that all of China's activities however aggressive and uh, uh, sort of antagonistic to the rest of the world they may seem, are a product of China's historical background. But I don't think that argument holds up at all, because China's aggressive attitude towards the South China Sea and towards the people of Hong Kong has nothing to do with any external pressures on China from anybody in the last several decades. So it amounts to an expression of the inward aspirations of the Chinese authoritarian regime. And that's a very unfortunate situation for the world to deal with. Dr. Aikman, we will have to leave it there. I am uh, excited that you are working on uh, working on a book related to the Abraham Accords. We will uh, we'll, we'll encourage you in that. Joyfully anticipate such. Um, thank you as always for joining us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. I've, I've enjoyed it very much. And even though you don't officially celebrate, Happy Thanksgiving. Well, I, I officially celebrate because I am an American citizen in spite of my funny-sounding accent. And well, here, here. We... Go ahead. I mean, it's Thanksgiving is a holiday that I enjoy more than any other American holiday, so I, I really miss it by being in a place where they don't recognize you. All right. Well, gobble, gobble to you, and happy Thanksgiving. We'll be celebrating with you Thanks. from afar. You too. Thanks, Tom. Blessings. We'll be right back.
All right. In one of the weirder headlines of the day, um, the the primary place that people buy guitars is called Guitar Center. Like, it's like the biggest retailer of guitars in the world. They filed for bankruptcy because people don't actually apparently go and even strum the guitar anymore before they buy it. Like, people are buying guitars online. I don't know. I find that kind of surprising. Even things that, uh, uh, yeah. And even things that you feel like you ought to lay your hands on before you buy them, people are buying online. Uh, what are you buying online? How are you doing your shopping? What do you got plans for Black Friday? Ha! Black Friday, Good Friday, good opportunities for conversations this week about the gospel. We're going to have them right here. So join me each and every day. If you miss the podcast or want to share it with someone else, it'll be posted in a little bit at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.